Hello, hello, and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week, we're talking about chapters 10 through 12 of The Sea of Monsters. This is the one when we finally get into The Sea of Monsters. I liked the I like the concept of the Sea of Monsters where they're like for me as a child the Bermuda Triangle was the scariest concept in the oh. entire world. Uh-huh. So this feels like validation for that fear cuz you're like the Bermuda Tri- Triangle aka the Sea of Monsters. Yes. This was where I learned about what the Bermuda Triangle was and I remember going and like looking it up in the in the school library you remember like library days mm-hmm. i wish that existed like even in why didn't that even happen in college or in high school there was no like fun class library outing where you just like pick a zoo book and read it but i, I remember picking uh books on the bermuda triangle but like you know the kids books that are like what is the bermuda triangle and being like convinced it was a conspiracy <laughs> theory i was like this is where Amelia Earhart went missing. I'm like eight years old or something. Like, <laughs> convinced. I think I, I'm obsessed with the idea that they had a class for us to learn how to use the library system. Mm-hmm. You know, how to read, like, the barcodes of the library, like Y versus F, and how to find an author and stuff like that. And now it's like, oh, Libby exists. You don't ever have yeah. to step into a library again, which is very sad for me, personally. I know. I know. I don't remember anything from what I learned in that library. Like, I just remember I was like, okay, author's last name. Look at that. And that's all I was like, okay. I just have such a visceral memory (laughs) of always just beelining for the zoo books and finding (laughs) all the dolphin ones. (laughs) Oh my god, you and the dolphin. I had had really a weird dolphin phase. (laughs) You know, like, there are horse girls, but then there are dolphin girls, and that was me. I don't even know how to categorize that because horse girls, at least I can like categorize exactly what they're going to be like. I feel like dolphin girl is Aaron specifically. Yeah. Well, the dolphin kids, I feel like we are like cloaked, you know, like cloaked in mystery. You can't look at someone and know they're a dolphin kid, but then you enter their bedroom and you're like, oh, wow, you have dolphin sheets, dolphin pillows, (laughs) dolphin everything. I remember for your first anniversary, Mike was showing us what he got. Was it your anniversary or for your birthday? I, I think remember. it was my birthday. He was like showing me what he got you and it was like the dolphin necklace. And I was like, yeah, this will, you guys will last. It'll be good. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not like I was still eight. I was like 17 and still had a weird dolphin thing. At least he understood that, you know, very yeah. early on. Yeah, like you gotta, yeah, you gotta know what you're getting into. (laughs) Oh, anyway, let me give you a summary of what we're about to dive into. Are there dolphins? There are not, unfortunately. There are sea monsters, though. Hmm. As our crew gets ahead on their quest, they find themselves in a lot more trouble than they anticipated. They're gonna need the help of an unlikely friend and some magical gifts. So I'm going to start us off with already a red flag chapter. It's called Chapter 10, We Hitch a Ride with Dead Confederates. Hmm. Gross. All right. On the run from Luke and his monsters, Percy uses, remember he has a thermos of winds from Mm -hmm. Hermes conveniently? So he releases it on their lifeboat and they go top speed. Like speed boat. 
he could have just called David Hasselhoff. Oh my god. <laughs> and his chest. <laughs> Except Percy <laughs> is not the good size to ride on David Hasselhoff's That's chest. That's true. He's That's not the as big only as... flaw in your plan. He's not as big as SpongeBob. <laughs> he's just, he's a little bit too big. Yeah. Using the sea mist from the speeding boat, Annabeth manages to get an iris message to our friend Chiron, who is at a wild club and unable to really hear what's going on. Chiron says something about Miami, and then the connection is lost because some rowdy cousins of his, apparently, um, throw out empty bottles at Chiron's direction. <laughs> about an hour later, they manage to get to Virginia Beach. Shocking, because that meant the Princess Andromeda traveled really far overnight. Um, it's also a fun moment because Annabeth discovers that Percy has completely perfect bearings while he's at sea. He knows exactly their coordinates. He knows how many nautical miles it takes them to travel anywhere, and he's just an excellent sea captain. <laughs> they managed to get to Chesapeake Bay, which I read immediately as cheese cheesecake. No. Cheesecake. What did I read it as? I remember reading it and I was like, oh, that's a weird place. They've sure realized <laughs> My brain was also like, that sounds almost like Chesapeake. <laughs> no. On. You were Sorry. like, yes, Cheesecake Bay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, they use the winds to avoid the Coast Guard that kind of sees them floating in the distance because they're going to ask too many questions of why two 12-year-old, three 12-year-olds are just like floating on a life raft. The moment the water changes from salt to fresh, uh, Percy feels like a drain of energy and realizes how truly tired he is. I think the ocean had been giving him strength and now it's gone. Luckily, Annabeth seems to know the area really well and directs them to the beach. Percy, forever NYC boy, does not like the heat or the vibes. He's just like, (laughs) it's not Manhattan, it sucks. (laughs) And so Annabeth leads them to a makeshift shelter on the land and it seems fully stocked for a camp out with sleeping bags and food and all of that stuff. Annabeth reveals that Luke, Talia, and her made this hideout when they were on the run. Percy is immediately a little bit jealous. He's like, they have all this history and stories together and this like bond because they traveled so far and went through so much together at such a young age and he feels left out but he doesn't really dwell on it he's like I'm jealous and then he moves on obviously that's good because I feel like it's a bad look to be jealous for too long of like I wish I got kicked out of my home when I was seven (laughs) why did I have a loving parent darn it (laughs) also he's very sympathetic to Annabeth's like hurt about Luke's betrayal because even like the idea of having a rich history with someone and then having them hurt you in such a way is horrible yeah Percy asks Tyson to look for powdered donuts mostly to get him out of the tent but also kind of they need food (laughs) but donuts they're 13 like what did you expect (laughs) Percy then starts kind of working on Annabeth seeing how she's doing and asking what really happened to Talia Annabeth is about to explain that six years ago, while Grover was leading them to Half-Blood Hill, something happened, but Tyson bursts back in with powdered donuts. (laughs) Everyone is shocked because they aren't supposed to be around anything, let alone a donut shop, but lo and behold, there's a monster donut just about 50 feet away from them. Annabeth starts freaking out, but Percy, who has already, throughout the whole book, he's been through a whole ass book of monsters (laughs) popping out of anywhere. And he's like, no, it's a normal donut shop. (laughs) (laughs) 
Annabeth suggests that maybe it's a nest. She says the reason that there's so many chain shops popping up out of nowhere for no reasons is because all of their locations are magically linked to a life force of a monster. She's nice. like, Hermes' chi- children, who are monsters, figured out a way to do that. And so that's why so many pop out of nowhere. Which is like shade at chain restaurants and cafes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. While she's explaining, she freaks out and tells Percy to slowly turn around. Behind him in the shadows of the trees, he sees a huge reptile with multiple heads. It's a hydra. Woo. It's, I think, one of the most famous Greek mythological monsters. Yeah. Hydras are cool. I mean, the idea of them is very interesting. It also, I would love to sit and dissect, like, is it actually better? Like, yes, they have so many heads, and if you keep cutting off their heads, more grow, right? Mm-hmm. It's a well-known fact. Is that useful, or will they become top-heavy? And also, <laughs> feeding-wise, won't it become more tedious to feed them and give them resources, so won't they die faster? Okay, but do they only have, is there still one central stomach? Like, could one head eat and it would be okay the whole time? But the stomach doesn't matter. It's, when we get down to the biology of it, it's going to be exerting more energy just to create and maintain a new head. That's true. And therefore, it's going to need to burn more calories. So even if it only has one stomach, it's going to need to eat twice the amount of food just for every head that it grows. And does each head have its own personality? When you cut one off and two grow, do two of the same version or does it split into like two versions of itself like if there was like an Aaron head and you cut it in half would it split into like mean Aaron and nice Aaron and then you split mean Aaron in half and it's like really mean Aaron (laughs) I think it's like you split Aaron in half but you split Aaron in half in like March and suddenly you have Aries Aaron Ooh, ooh! you give me a new star sign. <laughs> this is interesting. A whole, do you have to do a whole new bird chart for each head? <laughs> 100%. And then when the head is cut off, it's like that parent head is gone. It's, you're, you're treating it as new spawn. Oh, so you're like, okay, mother is gone. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I think we dived a little bit too deep. But anyway, I think... The Hydra is actually not as effective and cool as we think it is. (laughs) You're like top heavy. (laughs) Too top heavy. Not sustainable. (laughs) Percy and Annabeth wait to see if they've been spotted by it. It seems to have been following their scent, but it doesn't have great eyesight, so it hasn't seen them yet. It is described as rhino-sized with diamond heads like rattlesnakes, but with jagged rows of razor-sharp teeth. So a nightmare. Nice. Tyson is freaked out and takes a step back, snapping a twig. The Hydra spits up green liquid and disintegrates the tree right next to Percy. Tyson is so freaked out, he can't move, and Percy has to tackle him to get him out of the way of the Hydra's venomous spit. Also, another thing, it's going to have to make twice the amount of venomous spit to maintain each head being able to produce the venomous spit. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming the venom comes from glands in its mouth and not from, like, its stomach, right? I don't know. I couldn't tell you that one. I would like a biological breakdown of the Hydra. Why don't we get a zoo books on the Hydra? (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. Me too. And I would love to see just, like... A hydra, which has like a its normal rhino-sized body, but with six billion heads, and see it try to walk anywhere. Is there a limit to the number of heads? 
No, that's the whole point, right? Oof. Every time you break off a stump, it grows back. So maybe that's the move instead of, like, running away from it. You just keep breaking stumps until it has too many heads to take care of. And then you run away and let it starve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, like, a slow death rather yeah, that's than kind the fire. Of, it's a little cruel. It's cruel. <laughs> Percy then uncaps Riptide and draws attention to the monster on himself to get the attention away from Tyson. And without thinking, Percy chops one of the heads when the monster lunges at him. And he and Annabeth are both horrified because they know the story. And in the stump, two heads come out of just the one. Now the Hydra has eight heads instead of seven. Annabeth suggests that they have to kill it with fire, like in the stories with Heracles. They have to burn the stumps of the head before they can regrow. Again, so Hydra, do you think that when... <laughs> now, I like to believe that, that like a Greek person saw like a lizard lose its stale, tail and grow back. But I also like the idea that a, like an ancient Greek person saw a worm get split in half and was like, this is an excellent idea for a monster. <laughs> I love that. I'm fascinated by animals that could get split in half and survive. I want to know like the worm. Mm -hmm. Are there two war like when they split where does the who which one gets the personality the history they both have it how do they s divvy that up <laughs> that's a <laughs> i mean that's like you get breakdown of like mitosis right cells splitting yeah who has the personality they both can yeah mm -hmm. i think it's like, just cloning at that point yeah, you know, like, getting into these strange animal questions, you know when we get to Heroes of Olympus, I'm gonna have a lot of questions about Frank and his ability. Oh, right. His special ability. Like, I I'm like... gonna save some of those, but I have a lot of questions. You know in, in Moana mm -hmm. where Maui can turn into, like, the shark and the, the, that's how I imagined Frank. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, like, what if Maui or Frank turned into a worm, got cut in half, would there be two Franks? I gotta know. Anyways, to try. we're gonna anyway. save that. I'll do research. <laughs> okay, anyway. Annabeth is locked into the muck by one of the heads and Tyson comes in to rescue. It's very cute. He's standing in front of Annabeth and he says, don't hurt my friend. And he just starts beating the heads back with the club. Um, he's doing pretty well whacking the monster, but Percy recognizes that he can't keep it up forever. Just when Percy starts to really panic, he hears the faint chugging of a steam engine, and from the river behind them, a cannon basically vaporizes the Hydra, as the trio hit the dirt to avoid the cannon. The Hydra is defeated, and they're all covered in green goo. Which seems problematic, because wasn't the goo venomous? Oh. Wait, yeah. I Unless don't know. this is just like blood is different than venom. I just I'm really I really want the biological breakdown of the Hydra. You're like I'm really focused on this. Maybe the, yeah. it's because the goo didn't like get in their bloodstream. Maybe they would have had to like, you know, chug the glue <laughs> to get poison or goo, not glue. But then when it like disintegrates the tree and when it comes out of its oh, mouth, yeah. is it because it goes through its Wait. mouth that it becomes venomous? Maybe this is just, like, the goo, like, you know when they kill monsters, sometimes they're just, like, vapory goo and explode. Yeah. Maybe it's just, like, the monster's essence. <laughs> Ew, I don't want anyone's essence on me. <laughs> oh, anyways. The blast comes from a weird Civil War battle cruiser with dead uniformed soldiers manning it. The CSS Birmingham is being captained by none other than Clarice. Mm. And so I said... If I felt bad for Clarice before, I take it back because she's now working with Confederates. 
Yeah. She didn't need to do that. She could have um she could have found a different way. I mean, we get into it the next chapter yeah. of yeah. why, but that was just like I read that. I definitely I, I see this every single chapter you we do. do in this book. I don't remember any of this, so it's uh-huh. been like I saw this chapter title and I was like, "Ew, what?" You were like, "Homest." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I yes. <clears throat> I'm excited to talk about Clarice because I don't know how I feel about her, to be honest. I go back and forth all the time. I Which I think is the her. point of her, right? Like, she doesn't True. need to be an asshole, but you understand why she might have some asshole tendencies. But she True. could control it, and she could try to become a better person, and she chooses not to. So you don't have this sympathy that way. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. And, yeah, that's all my, my, my notes on Chapter 10. Okay, well, let's do it. Let's go to chapter 11. Clarice blows up everything. Very on brand for her. (laughs) (laughs) So this chapter opens and they're on Clarice's ship and Clarice is pissed. Um, She very reluctantly gives them a tour of the boat, which I think is very funny to imagine that like she's really mad, but she still has invited them on her ship (laughs) and is like, so this is where I sleep. (laughs) um, And she informs them that Tantalus expelled them for eternity. And Mr. D is also pissed and is like, if they come back, I will turn them into squirrels. So everyone hates them right now back at camp. And I like to imagine Clarice just walking along being like, you know everyone hates you right now. And, just... and this is the hammock. <laughs> and this is the bathroom. And yep. like at back at camp, they just they hate you. <laughs> so we find out that the reason Clarice is on a Confederate ship is because the spirits of the losing side of wars are always a tribute to Ares. So basically that means he can control like Confederate soldiers, Nazis, etc. Uh, which is a weird I don't I find it strange that Ares would want the losers. I mean, I guess it's, like, it's supposed to be a curse for them being defeated, but I, f- I feel like I'm, like, that's not good firepower <laughs> to take <laughs> the losers of the war, but okay. Um, and they all follow Clarice's orders. So I think it's, like, all the losers of wars are, like, basically bound to follow Ares's orders or Ares' kids' orders. Well, also, then you have, like, why did he go back so far to Civil War when, like, the world wars were a little bit more recent like yes no we don't want nazis obviously (laughs) but like maybe even vietnam or like whoever he decided was a a quote-unquote a losing side Mm -hmm. even though it's subjective like um maybe someone with more modern military power rather than an old steamboat that doesn't really have great engines I think maybe it has to do with, like, the location. Like, maybe it's because they're on, like, the East Coast, and he's like, well, Civil War. Here you go, oh, Clarice. Yes. Clearly he didn't. I don't think Ares really thought about it. Ares yeah. is not a great parental figure. No, we'll see that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. So as they're on the ship, Annabeth warns Clarice about Luke and their whole encounter with him, and how he's heading for the coordinates as well, because, you know, Percy just blurted them out to the whole camp, <laughs> and Clarice is like, cool, I'll blow up his ship, and Annabeth is like, I don't know if that's gonna go well, um, and Clarice refuses to see reason or let Annabeth or Percy help her provide any input because it's quote-unquote her quest, um, so even though they're stuck on this boat with her, and she has, like, basically rescued them, she won't allow them to help her, 
And they find out that Clarice is there alone because none of her cabin mates wanted to go with her, which is really sad. And Clarice mentions the Oracle, like something, she mentions like an angry comment about the Oracle and what the Oracle said. But when they ask what the Oracle said, she's like, nothing. And she won't tell them what it told her. Um, so clearly she didn't like what it said. So Annabeth, Percy, and Tyson all then head below deck to get some sleep because there's nothing else for them to do. And Clarice won't let them help with this quest. They're basically just like cargo now. So, Percy, of course, has dreams. He sees Grover sitting at his loom, unraveling <laughs> his wedding train. And then Grover gets caught in the act by Polyphemus, and Grover kind of feigns that he's just, he's like, oh, I'm just such a bad weaver. And the Cyclops is like, I have an idea, and drags Grover outside and shows him the golden fleece. And is like, you should use this. It's magic and cannot be unraveled. So make this your wedding dress. It's beautiful. And Polyphemus says that Grover is just a poor honey pie, bad weaver. And announces oh, that with the magic fleece, the train will be ready by tomorrow. And Grover asks what would happen if someone were to, he says, rescue. I mean, attack this land. And he's clearly, it's like someone like talking to the camera. I feel like, like I, think he, <laughs> I think he knows that Percy is dreaming and is there. He can feel his presence. Um, and Polyphemus doesn't seem worried about that. It mentions that they'd have to get through his pets in the meadow. But all that Percy can see from his dream point of view are a bunch of sheep in the meadow. So he's like, huh. And then doesn't, and then wakes up and doesn't really think about it much. So Percy awakens to alarm bells blaring all throughout the ship. They are at the entrance to the Sea of Monsters. While heading upstairs, Percy stumbles upon Clarice talking to her dad in, a, in like a private room via Iris message. And he's just being an absolute dickhole to her. He suggests that one of his sons should have taken the quest instead and mm. is all around terrible and is like, you better not let me down. My kids never get quests anymore. Like... And she's the like, god of wars it. children don't get quests hmm. it's mm. not like they'd cause trouble <laughs> <laughs> and percy sees this moment and is like yikes and then continues on and joins annabeth and tyson on the deck the sky and sea are both stormy and they're heading straight for the entrance which is between charybdis and her sister Scylla. Scylla. It says be Sila. Sila. I looked it up because I was like, okay. how the hell do you pronounce that? Yeah, and I remember them from the Odyssey. But tell mm -hmm. me what what's like their origin story or so what the you know. Origin is kind of fishy, so there's a little bit of That's funny because they're in the ocean. It's Thank fishy. I'm gonna ignore you now. <laughs> <laughs> so the two sisters are thought to be the offspring of Poseidon and Gaia, which I don't understand. Isn't that his what? grandma? That is 100% his grandmother. Because Gaia, Gaia, I still don't know how to pronounce it, to be yeah. honest. And she was like the a big character in Heroes of Olympus, and I have no yeah. idea how to pronounce it. It was her and Chaos or whatever created yeah. the, t the, the Titans, I yeah. think. I could be totally wrong. And then Kronos had Poseidon and Zeus and Hades. Yeah. So, yeah, that's his grandma. So. I mean, there's, like, multiple stories. Like, they say that one of them, one of the theories is that they are the offspring of Poseidon because he wanted to particularly annoy Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> I like that And he one needed too. these monsters. But the other idea is maybe Hecate was involved Ooh. in their birth. It, 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 there's a lot of stories, but it's basically they were offsprings and they were specifically turned into 
monsters by Zeus, who was okay. annoyed by them. Mm. Anyway, so Charybdis sucks in water and throws it back out, creating a whirlpool, and her sister, Asila, who lives in the other rock. So basically, it's a narrow strait where no matter mm-hmm. what, if a ship passes by, it has it can't really go, even if it goes through the middle, it's going to be damaged by one of the two monsters. Right. So on one side is Charybdis, who's making whirlpools, and the other side is Sila, who eats, is like a monster who just like plucks off sailors and eats them. Hmm. And so in the Odyssey, Odysseus is advised to put his ship near Sila because if he goes by Charybdis, the entire ship is going to be destroyed. Right. But like for Sila, only a few of his men will be eaten. Right. So that's what he does. And I'm like, to make an executive decision like that. Like, it's always, the Odyssey is continuously uh, Odysseus being like, as long as I'm alive, we're good. Yeah, take my men. Yeah. Could care less. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you just said uh, Odysseus was advised to go near to (laughs) Scylla. Well, Clarice does not agree. <laughs> so Percy sees, well, Percy learns essentially like that, what each of them are and the sisters and Clarice is like, let's go towards Charybdis and blow her up with guns. And this is obviously a really bad idea because it's a whirlpool. You can't shoot a <laughs> whirlpool. Um, <laughs> it's like trying to fight a storm. Yeah, and Percy even is useless here because he's finding that he can't control any of the water around Charybdis because it's too strong. And their bag of winds is useless around all the external wind. Again, where's David Hasselhoff? (laughs) This is the hill you're going to die on, isn't it? It is, it is. Where is he at? Is he only exist in the Spongebob universe? I don't know. David Hasselhoff as like a person? You know he's a real person. Yeah, but like does he only exist in I guess our timeline in Spongebob and not Percy Jackson but I'd like to see think that we're living in the same timeline <laughs> as Percy Jackson I'd like to believe so where is David we don't know where we don't know um and <laughs> Tyson warns them that the engine is no good and that the pistons need fixing which is just further reason to not go towards the whirlpool because mm-hmm. the ship is unstable but Clarice is like, let's shoot it. So Tyson heads below deck and is like, I can fix the pistons before the ship blows because he is uh, fireproof and a mechanic. Percy then catches a glimpse of Charybdis. And I'm going to read how Rick describes her. So he says, the first thing I noticed was the reef, a black crag of coral with a fig tree clinging to the top, an oddly peaceful thing in the middle of a maelstrom. All around it, water curved into a funnel, like light around a black hole. Then I saw the horrible thing anchored to the reef just below the waterline. An enormous mouth with slimy lips and mossy teeth the size of rowboats. And worse, the teeth had braces. What? Yeah, bands of corroded scummy metal with pieces of fish and driftwood floating garbage and floating garbage stuck between them. So Charybdis canonically has braces in the Percy Jackson (laughs) universe. Who's her dad? Who's her orthodontist? Hmm, I, ho- I like the idea that... Didn't we have the same orthodontist? Yes, everyone... Yeah. This is... <laughs> side note, ev- literally everyone who grew- went to our high school, there was an orthodontist that was like a stone's throw from our high school, right down the street, and everyone went to Dr. Nelson. <laughs> Shout Shouts out. to Dr. Nelson. I bet he was her... Uh, I bet he did her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... So, 
Um, the ship then stops vibrating as they're getting closer, so Tyson clearly did something and got the engine to start working again, but they're too close to Charybdis for this to do any good. She opens her mouth and chomp chomp chomps and sends a wave, them backwards on a wave, straight over towards Sela. So they get both sisters. Um, below deck is now on flames, and above deck, Sela keeps picking off Confederate ghost soldiers, which is, like, for the best, I think. I'm like, I think so too. go for the ghosts, go for the yeah. Confederates. I think that's okay. Yeah. They all head for the lifeboats, except for Percy, who's trying to get Tyson. Um, so Clarice gets on one of her own lifeboats, and Annabeth gets on a different one, and Sela then grabs Percy. Percy stabs her in the eye, and then he fall as he falls, the CSS Birmingham explodes. Percy hears another explosion, the sound of Hermes's magic thermos opening, opening too far, like he's like, oh no, and sending everything flying in all directions. And Percy spins in the air and hits the water hard, and he says that he probably would have died if he wasn't a son of the sea god. So I think Percy's being helped out here, like kind of propelled to where Annabeth is. Um, the last thing he remembers is sinking in the burning sea, knowing that Tyson is gone forever, or so he thinks. Well, so sad. I know this like a lot happens here. Um, yeah, I think I went through most of my thoughts. Um, Aries sucks. Aries wants the losers to serve him, and he just is a mean person to his daughter. And on that, I have so many mixed feelings on Clarice because her dad sucks, but then again, like all their parents suck. But yeah. then she doesn't go evil like Luke. Like she's not as bad as Luke, but she no. is a bully. She's just like a the dick, but like not evil she's just maybe not a personality yeah. you want to hang out with unfortunately and she definitely gets better over the series but she just like because they give her a freaking boyfriend when she's the gayest character we she's can the gayest <laughs> character they even give her like a homoerotic friendship i know and, but no her boyfriend <laughs> her boyfriend yeah sure yeah yeah okay. have you ever like hit the water like been thrown off and hit the mm. water hard oh yeah like cliff diving not like so <laughs> I got chucked not off. intentionally oh no <laughs> I got chucked off of a um what are those called jet ski oh ooh. we hit like a wave we piled on too many people first of all ah uh, yeah and we hit a wave too hard and I it, it is so disorienting because I flew in the air and I remember my body like turning in the air <laughs> And then I hit the water, and I could have really could have been really bad because I had whiplash for like two Ooh. days after. But Ow. I hit the water, and it took me a good couple seconds to try to figure out what was up and what was down, yeah. and figuring out that I was upside down in the water, and so I had to get air by turning around. Ooh, and you imagine it, I'm imagining this all in like slow motion. Yeah. Dramatic music playing in the background. And it was so funny because uh, I surfaced and our friend Grace was also on, who had also get thrown off and got whiplash too. <laughs> oh. We both surfaced in the water. This was years ago. It must have been high uh -huh. school. We surfaced okay. in the water and we like looked at each other and we were like all the way on the other. Like both of us had been back to back and we were like <laughs> almost like 10 yards away from each other. And this, like, Dang. the... Yeah, it was really crazy. That's so I'm weird. I'm just imagining that's how Percy hits the water. Prob except it's probably a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, a lot worse because there's, like, fire and explosion. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I have one more thought. Mm. 
I noted that this is, I think this is when Annabeth sort of stops being so biased against Tyson because when Clarice, like Tyson is volunteers to go down and fix the engine and Clarice is like, what the heck is a Cyclops going to do? And Annabeth comes to his defense and is like, they're mechanics and also fire resistance and defense Tyson. And I like to see that growth. And I think it might be because like Tyson had just saved her in the previous mm-hmm. chapter. So like they're starting to form a relationship and she's starting to change her mind about Cyclops, all that good stuff. I also love that so Clarice does like a okay smart girl okay wise girl like all like every time Annabeth some says something and Clarice wants to do something else except is that really an insult no I've always <laughs> thought that even when like Percy like jokingly calls her it and she calls him seaweed brain I'm like yeah seaweed brain is an insult that sucks. but wise girl that's like <laughs> That's that's a compliment, y'all. I think that Annabeth knows this. I think that she just pretends to act insulted so that they keep doing it when in her head she's like, they don't realize they're just complimenting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So chapter 12, we check into Cece's Spa and Resort. This is a little bit of a long one, so bear with me. Percy wakes up on the rowboat with a makeshift sail from a uniform and Annabeth sitting next to him. He immediately asks Annabeth about Tyson, but she shakes her head. She's still trying to be hopeful, so she mentions that he may have survived the explosion, but neither of them really believe that to be true. Percy feels horrible thinking about how Tyson gave his life for Percy and how Percy had the audacity to be embarrassed of him all those times before. He's like... Tyson was fully a good dude, and I was, like, embarrassed that he was kind of clunky at times. So sad. Annabeth was able to save a couple of their items, including most of Hermes' gifts and um, a couple of other things as well, like money and water, etc. No, not even water. I think it's a diet Dr. Pepper, which is the the worst soda. Yeah. (laughs) The water is more green in the sea of monsters and a feeling of danger is in the air. Percy kind of describes it as like a metallic smell to the salt. Almost as if like something's about to explode any second. Percy has an exact sense of where they are and where they're going to go, but he still feels lost because the sun seems to shine in all directions and they don't have a lot of supplies. Also, he's hella depressed. His brother just died. Yeah. Yeah. Annabeth guesses, based off of um, Percy's dream that he explains to her, that they have less than 24 hours to find Grover before Polyphemus tries to marry him. Which is like, you know, this is a children's book because he's like waiting for marriage. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it doesn't sound like that much of a threat. I'm like, okay. Like, is it legally binding? <laughs> like, I don't oh, know. No, the but idea- we know that Polyphemus is trying to... Yeah, and then once he takes the dress or the veil off of Grover, he's going to be like, this is a goat. (laughs) This is a (laughs) satyr! This is enemies to lovers. (laughs) 50k enemies to lovers. Ew. Ew! Okay, I I would bet money that there is Grover slash Polyphemus fanfic out there. Stop. There is You have to find it. You have to find it and send it to me. I will. Not like I will. not 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 this fic itself because I, I would never want to read that with my own eyes. But the fact that it exists. Yeah, like the the premise of the fic. Yeah, yeah. I'd want to know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Percy wants to be mad at Annabeth for not treating Tyson better, but she apologizes, and Percy has a realization that he can never really be mad at her. Because they've been through so much together and it's difficult for him to hold a grudge. And she's genuinely sorry. Yeah. Percy asks Annabeth about the prophecy and she refuses to tell him any details, saying that knowing would be worse than not. 
she also isn't sure he's she's like trying to be like maybe you're not the child of the prophecy we don't know if you're the child of the prophecy because it takes place when the child of the big three is 16 and not many have lived that long a reminder percy's only 13 in this book Mm -mm. After pestering her a little more, Annabeth reveals that the hero will decide the fate of Olympus. He or she will make a decision that either saves the age of the gods or destroys it. The original pact between the big three was to avoid this prophecy, but obviously that did not work because yeah. these gods like to get down and dirty no matter Abstinence? what. Who, who's going <laughs> to give them condoms? Abstinence only doesn't work with the gods. You know what's Nor crazy? The humans. We they know this. Can, they can just like you know i'm trying not to swear they can just like <laughs> you know get groovy with each other why do they have to get mortals involved if they do decide to bring mortals why does it have to be like sex that can result in pregnancy why can't yeah. they do other things you know like why or can't even they... if like like clearly the gods like gender is not a and gender yeah. and sex isn't real so why do they have to like go after the opposite sex yeah, why can't, what, but then, oh, there's this, you haven't read Tri- Trials of Apollo, but you know, Rick, you know, gets more liberal as he goes on, and in Trials of Apollo, Apollo reveals that you can have gods with same-sex parents, they're like, mind go- mind demigods, or have demigods. Oh, like how Annabeth is, yeah. Like, also, no one is safe. <laughs> Apollo is like, yes, there are also gay god pairings and i'm like yeah what this we're like we need to have (laughs) diversity diversity interesting okay anyway this also explains why chronos did not kill percy immediately he thinks percy may still be useful to him animus may have told him more but a seagull drops onto the raft with a bunch of leaves and they both immediately know that land is nearby they float over to what looks like a tropical paradise and are immediately greeted by a lady who is dressed up like a flight attendant with a clipboard in her hand. Percy notes that there are a bunch of other types of ships also docked nearby. To canoes, a three-mast sailing ship, a yacht, and a U.S. Navy submarine, etc. Wait, is this lady, is this Hilla? I know that Reina's sister is on this island. Reina and her sister are both. Do you remember Reina from Here's of Yes. I do. Her and her sister are here, and I know that Hilla is name-dropped in, I think, in this chapter. But it might just be an off-handed, like, CC might just be like, Oh, yes, yeah, she is. She you calls... gives me this. It is her. She says Hilla yeah. can take Annabeth on it. That's so interesting. Right? Never... That's yeah. Raina's sister. Weird. I don't remember anything about Raina's sister. I didn't remember she... she had a sister. Yeah, they meet up with her at, she's an Amazon. Oh. <laughs> at Amazon. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> okay. Well, but that's a cool. That's, that's a cool, cool like name drop there. Anyway, yeah, continue. Anyway. Okay. Um, the lady asks. I guess it's Hilla. Asks if it's the first time. It's their first time visiting, and starts setting up spa appointments for Annabeth, and suggests a full makeover for Percy. <laughs> she then takes them to see Cece. Obviously, the duo is suspicious. They've encountered enough traps for a lifetime, but they're hot and tired and super hungry, so they decide to risk it, which is how they always get into the situation. This is a theme. They're like, listen, we know. We know this isn't a good idea, but I'm so hungry. Mm -hmm. 
Percy has Hermes multivitamins and his sword stashed in his pocket, but the more he goes into the resort, the more he forgets about them. So I'm going to describe it. The place was amazing. There was white marble and blue water everywhere I looked. Terraces climbed up the side of the mountain with swimming pools on every level connected by water slides and waterfalls and underwater tubes you could swim through. Fountains sprayed water into the air, forming impossible shapes like flying eagles and galloping horses. Tyson loved horses, and I knew he would love the fountains. I almost turned around to see the expression on his face before I remembered Tyson was gone. That was very sad. The resort guests only seemed a young woman so far, and Percy kind of takes note of that, but he kind of brushes it off too. They walk into the main building to meet the famous Cece. She's singing beautifully in ancient Greek about moonlight and magic, and Percy is basically enchanted by her lovely voice. The room is beautiful and large, and oddly out of place is a wire pet cage in the middle of the room. They, again, don't pay attention to it after the fact. (laughs) Cece is weaving on a loom to create a magical-looking tapestry, and Cece herself is beautiful. She uh, is described as having like dark hair and green eyes and just wearing incredible clothing, which I think is always very funny that he notices that. Yeah. He's like, great style. Is that Gucci? (laughs) (laughs) When Cece introduces herself, the animals in the cage, Percy guesses that they must be guinea pigs, start squealing. Cece has one of her assistants, who is Hilla, take Annabeth for a makeover and is going to take personal care of Percy. Hmm. She pulls Percy to a mirror and points out all of his flaws and insecurities. (laughs) She then changes the image on the mirror to show a more perfect Percy, one with no flaws, which I think is so funny because it's just like Percy in a couple of years. He's just Mm -hmm. taller and he has a tan. That's like the only (laughs) things he would change about himself. Maybe like fixing his teeth a little bit. He's just like, I mean, I guess I could be a couple inches taller. <laughs> yeah, like, Percy, you're 13. Give it some time. <laughs> yeah. She offers this image to Percy, saying that all he has to do is drink a mixture she made, and Percy's bullied slightly into drinking it. It tastes really good at first, but then it burns Percy's stomach, and he begins to change, and he turns into a guinea pig. Yay! Yay! Cece explains that she used to turn men into pigs, but pigs are really big and hard to maintain, so now she uses guinea pigs instead. I love that for her. Efficient. Efficient, and you know, you can put them all into one cage. It's easier. Yeah, yeah. Cece puts him in the wire animal cage he had noticed before, and Cece says some of the men who were in the cage have been there for almost 300 years. Annabeth bursts into the room looking completely different, which is like a cute little internal monologue while he's a guinea pig. Is Percy's like, she looks beautiful, but like, and like, like totally my type, but she doesn't look like herself. And I just want her to look like herself. And I was like, you are a guinea pig, sir. <laughs> like, you can't be thinking about this. He's like, wait a sec, gonna pause my freak out <laughs> to just admire how hot Annabeth is. <laughs> She asks Cece about Percy, and Cece quickly lies about a treatment or something and asks Annabeth if she's enjoying their library. Annabeth admits that she wants to be an architect and she's really excited about it, but Cece says that she, like, no, I see potential in you to become a sorceress like me, which is like, oh no, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Annabeth also has that reaction because she's like, oh crap, and like backs up. Percy's trying to get Annabeth's attention by squealing, but she doesn't notice. Or seem to care about a, squee- squee- a squealing rodent. Yeah. 
Also, the other guinea pigs are coming to check out Percy, and they look mean and dirty, which I think is so funny. He's like, oh, these are bullies. Get away from me. <laughs> While Cece's monologuing about how men suck and magic is the only way women can succeed, Annabeth puts it together that Cece is actually Cersei. Annabeth also figures out that Percy is the guinea pig, but Cersei enchants her to leave him behind and join her, like with lots of fluffy words. Annabeth looks dreamy and is like, maybe I'll think about it. Can I say goodbye to my friend? And Cersei's like, yeah, think about it. What harm can that do? And leaves. The moment Cersei leaves them alone, Annabeth stops acting and tries to figure out which one of the guinea pigs is Percy. She runs over to Percy's jeans and grabs the supplemental vitamins and takes one herself. And Percy's like internally monologuing. He's like, this is no time for health. (laughs) (laughs) Cersei comes back in and asks what Annabeth has decided. Annabeth's like, I have decided this and pulls out a knife, which I think is so funny. I choose violence. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately. Which makes Cersei laugh. Cersei's like, "You, you know I'm the most powerful like sorceress ever. Um, And then she tries to use her magic on Annabeth, but it's ineffective. (laughs) Cersei realizes that Annabeth has taken multivitamins and therefore is immune to magic until it wears off. So Annabeth kind of holds a knife to Cersei and is like, change Percy, or which one is Percy? And Cersei's like, I don't know. Good luck. (laughs) Annabeth then feeds all of the guinea pigs the vitamins, and they all turn back into their normal men forms. All clothed, which I think is hilarious. You know, if it was like not a... Percy should have been naked. How could he keep his clothes? You can't morph clothing. But the idea of, like, Annabeth seeing Percy naked when they're 13, they could never recover. Like, their friendship would never. never. No. Annabeth would be like, oh my god, I've seen your penis the whole time. Annabeth even recognizes one of the men as son of Ares, also known as Blackbeard, the really famous pilot. Like, what even? The pirates chase after Cersei and her assistants, and Percy, uh, Annabeth just gives Percy a big hug. The pirates are destroying the spa and harassing <laughs> the women there, and Percy feels a bit bad about it, but he's like, I think it's like nice that the pirates are getting exercise after 300 years. Hmm. Yeah. Annabeth and Percy run to the docks, and Percy takes the three-mast ships, which is also named Queen Anne's Revenge which ends up being Blackbeard's ship, so the pirates start running after them. Percy just has an intuition that they should take that ship, and once he's on board, and it's like, how are we supposed to get this going? It's a huge ship, and, like, I don't know how to sail. And Percy just, like, yells a magic word, and wind starts blowing, and everything starts, like, putting itself into place, and the ship zooms off. And is very impressed. Mm-hmm. And they are well on their way to continue the quest before the pirates even reach the dock. So, a couple of thoughts. I think it's super cool that Percy can control boats. Um, I kind of, he lost points when I realized that he can only control salt water, so he's not, like, really a waterbender. Right? Wait, that doesn't but make he, sense. No, he, he can control, I think he's most powerful in salt water. Like, I okay. think that if he was in a lake like this, like, it would probably be, like, a little ripple. But also, mm. as the books go on, he gets increasingly more, like, better at it. Yeah, which is fair. Like, he didn't know he was a god before. Yeah. The salt water comes, like, very easily to him. Like, he's mm. immediately super powerful Power. in the salt. Yeah. Also, leaving pirates on an island to seek revenge with a oh bunch of unarmed women. Like, the original story of, like, I mean, I know we've all read Cersei. But mm-hmm. I think, like, the original story even of Cersei is that she was 
assaulted by men. Yeah. And yeah. so that's why she turns them into pigs, which, you know, honestly, I get it. Like, I get it. Yeah, like, yeah. and also a lot of the older, like, guinea pigs that have been there for hundreds of years, like, those would be the men who, like, originally assaulted. I mean, I guess she's, like, thousands of years old, but I would yeah. assume they harassed her. And then she just started turning every single man into a guinea pig. This yeah. is a bad move, and I am glad that in, like, Here's a Limit, it's kind of brought up again, with Reyna yeah. and Hilla being, like... That was kind of a bad move, Percy. And Percy's yeah. like, I didn't even think about it. Because I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> Young <laughs> girls and these pie. Oh, I don't like this. I know. And like, yes, Cersei and her assistants are witches, so they could probably, after hiding for a little bit, they could seek revenge once the gummy bears wore off. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's still, like, yikes. Big yikes. Yeah. Also, Cersei's the definition of, like, a girl boss for white women only. You know what I mean? Where she's like, all like men she's... are pigs. And then, like, you know, the POC are just kind of like, what are you talking about? I think she's very much, like, a, a radical feminist. I think that's the right. She's mm. a turf. Cersei, Cersei is oh, a turf. 100%. Like, but I also, like, I love the myth of Cersei. And I love Madeline Miller's book, Cersei. Oh, yeah. But this version of Cersei <laughs> is, like definitely a turf like what is she she just yeah I was like on her side not on her side but I was like okay I get where you're coming from until she was like you have to be a sorceress because that's the only way for a woman to succeed and I'm like "Mm, yeah Hmm. are you saying women can't be powerful without magic yeah I get it she's been traumatized that's what she thinks yeah she's a fascinating a fascinating character all right I have a few fun lightning bolt questions for this one are you ready I'm ready. Okay. So, because of the Monster Donut Shop, I thought of this. What chain restaurant is definitely a result of monsters in the area? Amazon Go. Oh, you're so right. I think that's very much a living in Seattle thing. Amazon is definitely the result of some kind of monster. Because if you go to Whole Foods, it's like, Amazon is here. And you go into Amazon Go, and it's like, Amazon is here. And like, an Amazon Go appeared out of nowhere next to my work. And I didn't even know it existed until across the street. And I was like, oh, God, another one. <laughs> like, I still don't even really get what they are. They're um, grocery stores that you don't have to wait in line to pay because they're monitoring you the entire time. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. I have not stepped into one. I have no plans to. It's, um, mm. That yeah. and... I have a soft spot for Starbucks as a person mm. from Seattle, but yeah. I would say Starbucks normally just because they pop out of anywhere. I would say, you know what? Screw the East Coast. Dunkin' Donuts. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't experience, I, I don't see a lot of those, honestly. Well, no, they only exist on the East Coast. Yeah. Well, not only, but like, you know how we have a Starbucks every six feet? They have yes. a Dunkin' Donuts every six feet. And okay, I don't like okay. their coffee. I like genuinely good. don't like them. So I'm just kind of like, you don't, you, they don't know what good coffee is. I'm just yeah, that. Yeah, no. And like, I don't even care. I feel like people in Seattle and like a, probably a lot of other hipster cities, like probably like LA are always like, I don't drink Starbucks. I drink <laughs> real coffee. And I'm like, I don't care. Give me my matcha latte filled to the brim with sugar and whipped cream. I don't care what and you drink. The quarter, I'm just like, if it's black coffee, I'm good. Just give it to me in a cup. You're like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> just give me black. <laughs> Love it. 
I would say, yeah, I was thinking of Starbucks. I was also thinking of Chick-fil-A, but this is because oh. I think that they're owned by monsters because they're evil. I and they not. hate... What? I know that they're problematic. I've never yes. shopped at a Chick-fil-A as someone who doesn't eat meat. Yeah. yeah. it's Well, they, they are problematic. They hate the gays. And also, mm. they... Um, they, I got food poisoning there right before I turned vegetarian, <laughs> so that's a personal hate crime against yeah. me, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, okay, if you had to choose, if you're heading in the sea of monsters, do you head for Scylla or Charybdis and why? What's your strategy? Okay, I would head for Scylla because no matter what, Charybdis is going to throw me towards Scylla. But I would mm -hmm. head towards Scylla and then I would try to... If you're going to shoot at something, you're going to shoot at the monster you can see, not a whirlpool. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's like the only, honestly, the only technique. And I would also go below deck. Mm -hmm. And I would also um, have a bunch of like, maybe like pieces of meat or whatever. So she can like pick Ooh, off a couple good. and eat it. And I'll be like, hello, here's food. Uh, maybe it's a person you don't know. You're you're a stupid monster with braces. Like, let's move on. Ooh, that's good. Cause also, like, what if she's just hungry? Like, what if you just put out a little buffet for her? She takes her pick. Y'all chill out below. I yeah. feel like that would work, right? It's just gotta. You have to be chill in the moment. And I feel like no hero is ever chill. No. So they're like, who can I defeat first? And then it, they all die. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and in in this, Clarice's argument against going towards Sila is like, well, she'll just pick up the whole boat if we hide underground, like under deck. And I'm like, she can't eat the whole boat, can she? Yeah. How big is her mouth? Also, she could like, pick it up, and then you could like, I don't know, give her a sandwich. <laughs> if I knew I was going to head into the Sea of Monsters, and I have read the Odyssey clearly. I would just make, I would stuff, like, jackets or uniforms with, like, meat or whatever. And then, <laughs> or even just, like, cloth and just, like, stick out dummies at the front. Ooh, that would be good. And then go below deck. And they have, like, you know Annabeth's read everything. Why didn't Annabeth have a plan? Huh, well, Annabeth? because I think Clarice didn't let her. <laughs> this is Clarice's fault. This is yeah. all Clarice's fault. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I would head for Sila and just, you know, try to put out a little buffet for her. Hide under deck. I like the idea of, like, fake dummy people. I think that would be funny in her being like, rats, foil, fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> or just being like, this is really good. And they've been eating, like, cotton. Yeah. <laughs> eating, like, a scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> or giving also, her you know, some kale just so she has kale. some nice diet. Yeah, give yeah. her some variety. Also, you know, like, if you know you're heading this way, maybe just, like, get some extra, get some... <laughs> dispensable crew people you know like confederate oh ghosts oh okay i guess yeah. yeah or like you know recruit some people who i don't you know for the cause for the, cause. For the war <laughs> Ooh, and we kind of touched my other question was like your thoughts on cersei i feel like we touched oh. on that but i think okay so not just thoughts on cersei would you if you washed up on cersei's island just mm -hmm. like just like you didn't have a man with you who could get turned into a guinea pig like would you live there for a little bit, I would definitely learn magic for right? a while. That's what I'm I saying. would go down the water slide <laughs> at least ten times. <laughs> I would get a makeover just because, like, I, I, we're, like, a year into this quarantine. I would love to go to a spa. Oh, right? That's, yeah. oh, that's going to be so great. So Not that I yeah, ever I would went 100%. to spas beforehand. <laughs> well, maybe I'll start doing that. After. Do it. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, 100%. I would be, I would save, if I came with a guy, like one of my friends or whatever, I would definitely save him though, unfortunately yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me too, me too. A I bummer. might like hold it above their head for a while, you know, like be like, <laughs> you any- took this opportunity away from me yeah, to like, get pampered. Yeah, or like anytime they're mean to me, be like, you know what? I saved you from being a guinea pig. Or like whenever they're upset, just like squeak at them. I would do that. I would definitely hold that. I feel like Annabeth doesn't utilize that as much as she could of being like, you were a guinea pig. But I guess, you know, it's traumatic for them. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. I guess. Whatever. I think she does. I think she might bring it up. I hope that her. she brings it up like 20 years down the line <laughs> when they have k- kids and Percy's like, I really just don't want to vacuum right now. And she's like, I could send you back to Cersei. <laughs> I would imagine it would be more like their kids are like, can we have a pet? And Annabeth is like, well, you know, Percy knows what it's like to be a guinea pig. <laughs> Annabeth's like, how about a guinea pig? Yeah. <laughs> Percy's like, no! <sighs> okay, well, that is all I've got. Awesome. Well, next time we're going to be diving in chapters 13 through 15. I think we kind of get close. We have to, at this point, get closer to Grover because I think they only have 24 hours. Let me see. I know that there's like a siren chapter. The siren chapter. I that's my yeah. favorite one. Yeah, we're gonna we get to Grover. We get to okay. Grover in this next one. That's exciting Good. for us. Love that. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On all socials, we are Camp Half Pod. Yes. And if you have lightning bolt questions, thoughts, feelings, comments, whatever, you wanna rave about how great we are, how much you love to zoo books. <laughs> Please email us, camphalfpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review only good ratings, please. Yeah, please, please. Thank you. Thank (laughs) Thank you so much.